Well, good evening and welcome to our Bible study. And it looks like a lovely evening out there. A lot better day than we had yesterday with all that rain. But if you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to Hebrews chapter 8. We're going to read from verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 8. So if you turn with me to that passage. The point of what we are saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by man. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. And so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest. For there are already men who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle, see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator, is superior to the old one. And it's found, founded on better promises. For if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers, when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenants, and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and aging will soon disappear. Oh God, we'll add his blessings that reading of his word. And before we look at it, let's come before him in prayer. Now, Father, we thank you again for your presence here with us. And we come to you with humble hearts. And we ask that you will just open our hearts and open our minds. That we will have a desire to absorb these, your words. That we might know more of you. And we just would now commit this time into your hands. And we do it. Through the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so Hebrews chapter 8. So far we've seen the qualities required to be a high priest. The duties of the high priest are to represent the people in the presence of God. Now he would do this by going into the place where God dwelt with his people. Now originally it was the tabernacle. The tabernacle by now at the time of writing this letter had been replaced with the temple. That was a more permanent building. The high priest would serve in the holy place and also once a year in the holy of holies, which was a representation of heaven. Now this was all part of the agreement, the covenant between God and his people through the law given to Moses. Now there is a new agreement, a new covenant from God given through Jesus. So with these things in mind, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. Now the main point of what we are saying is this. We do have such a high priest, 
who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle, set up by the Lord, not by a mere human being. The we in this passage is, of course, the writer, for he aligns himself with the Jewish people, who, like him, have turned from Judaism to Jesus, but who are still living in a time when the temple worship was the order of the day for most Jews. In these verses, the writer wants to lay out the main points of his letter that his readers will be halfway through, just as we are today. <laughs> we know they didn't have the resources that we had. These points are essential for them. And they also are essential for us. We too need to take hold of them. He's saying that as followers of Jesus, we do have a high priest. And what he has done is what no other high priest has ever done or can ever do. Our high priest has sat down in God's, at God's right hand in heaven. And this is where he serves us in the true dwelling place of God. This dwelling place that was not made with human hands. Now Jesus can do this because of who he is. He has the qualities that allow him to do it. In fact, he's the only one who can do it. So let's just take three points from this that we need to grasp hold of and remember as we continue through this book of Hebrews. One. His, posi his position, that's the position of Jesus, his position is on his throne, his throne, at the right hand of God. This is a kingly position. We have a royal high priest. Secondly, his service is in the true sanctuary that is the dwelling place of God. Why can he do this? Because he has the authority to do it. And thirdly, the place where he serves is the real thing, as opposed to the representation of the real thing where the earthly high priest would serve. So the writer is saying, now, let us have a look at what you expect your high priest to do. What do you think his ministry is? So let's go to verse 3. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. And so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. So what does Jesus have to offer? The answer is himself. Jesus is the sacrifice. And this sacrifice was offered here on earth, on the cross. And because it completely satisfied God, it made it a once and for all sacrifice. It doesn't have to be repeated. So this sacrifice is greater than all the sacrifices ever offered by all the earthly high priests put together over all the years that they had been doing it. The writer will cover this in more detail as we go further into the letter. You know, as we go through this letter, you probably notice that what he does, he introduces things gently. Uh, and as we go through the letter, he starts to explain them more fully. This gives the reader time to think about what he's just said. And maybe question what he's just said and then 
wait and see what he has to say about it a little bit later. You know, that's how we approached this uh, situation of Melchizedek. He gradually introduced it and then explained to us exactly what it meant. So let's go to verse 4 and 5. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest, for there are already priests who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. And this is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle, see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown, shown you on the mountain. So here we have a reference to the importance of the tabernacle and of the temple. These things are important. But they have now served their purpose. Remember when we looked uh, in Exodus and we went through the tabernacle, how we saw that everything was stressed, that it had to be done, or the point was stressed, that everything had to be done as God said it should be done. Sizes, coverings, materials. They were all a picture of something that was far greater. On this thing, I was thinking that on a material level, uh, I'm a bit of a hoarder. I keep things that in their time were very useful, but they have now served their purpose and I've been replaced by things that serve me better because they are superior. You might have noticed that I wear a watch and that watch on my wrist does everything I need it to do for me. I also have an old watch. Uh, <laughs> it's in me sock drawer. It's an old watch that doesn't work. Why would I ever want to walk round with both my existing watch that I have and my old watch together on my wrist? There'd be absolutely no point. So the old watch serves a uh, served its purpose. And it's almost forgotten about it. I think it's there anyway still, the bottom of my socks straw. Jesus, under the old order, could not be a priest on earth because he, has, he was not the tribe of Levi. This is one of the reasons that the old order, the old agreement had to change. It was no longer fit for purpose. It's like my watch, they were both made to do the same thing. One is still doing it, the other has lost all ability to do it. If we go to Exodus, and we read two chapters there, chapter 39 and 40, the establishing of the priesthood, the building of the tabernacle, and all the things that went with it, we see that they were all designed by God and given as instructions to Moses. They were to be copies of things that were in heaven. Moses had to follow these instructions completely. The spirituality of these things was so important. And now, for these readers of this letter, the reality has come to fruition. It's there. It's with them. It's in their lives today, as it is with us today. So let's move on to verse 6. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is, a, is superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator. 
is superior to the old one, since the new covenant is established on a better promise. So we see from this, the ministry of the high priest was important to the old covenant, the old agreement. But as the ministry of Jesus is far superior to the ministry of the one in the old agreement, it means that the old agreement will have to be replaced with the new agreement. Verse 7. For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. This is an obvious statement. Things have changed. You, as followers of Jesus, you still have a high priest, but one who is far superior to the previous high priest. Jesus is a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The thing that was wrong in the old agreement was not any fault of God's. It wasn't a fault on God's behalf. It was due to the fault made by the people. We'll see this stated further down in verse 8 as we see the meaning of that. The high priest's ministry was designed for him to serve the people as their mediator between them and God from earth. They were earthbound. And the service would need to go upwards to heaven. Jesus serves us from his rightful place, from his throne in heaven. The promise is a better promise. I'm going to draw to a close in a few moments. But before I do, I want us just to consider the verses we've looked at. And let's consider them now in relation to other things. I'm going to go to Galatians chapter 3, verse 19 through to 22. And this is Paul as he expresses these things. When then was the law given at all? It was added. Or why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions until the seed of whom the promise referred to had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. A mediator, however, implies more than one party. But God is one. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin, so that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. If you have your Bibles and you turn to that passage, you read it through Galatians three nineteen to 22 and just consider what's being said here. Under the old promise, sin was covered until it could be redeemed by the death of Jesus, the one who took upon himself the punishment for the sins of the whole world, including those committed under the old promise. Now that the perfect once and for all sacrifice has been made, the promise is now under the power of this sacrifice that can bring justification, justification by the blood shed by Jesus and by the grace of God, so that we, through Jesus, can be made righteous and be welcomed into God's family.
This is how Paul puts it in his letter to the Christians at the Church of Rome. This is Romans 3, verse 23 through to 26. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time. So to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Now we've covered quite a lot in those few verses. There's quite a lot for us to think about there and get hold of. And we need to understand all this before we go to the next part, because the next part is quite a difficult passage. Um, but we're going to look at that next week. But for this evening, I want us to remember that it is all of Jesus. His position is on the throne at the right hand of God. That's his rightful place. He's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. His service is in the true sanctuary. That is the dwelling place of God. That's because of his authority he is in, the place that he has every right to be, at the right hand of God. And the place where he serves is not a copy of things as a high priest in the old order would have to serve. These are the real things. He is in heaven itself. Let's just pray. Our Father, we know that these are sometimes difficult words to understand and we very often take things for granted, but we ask that you help us to understand these things so that we might see the full depth and the full meaning and the full purpose of them and that we might have a greater appreciation of who you are and what you've done. And Father, we pray that this might be a positive influence on our, on our lives as we seek to serve you, as we do it in your strength and in your power and not that of ourselves. So we ask you now to bless us, take us forward. May we go forward in your name and in the power of the one who is Jesus, the Christ, the Saviour. And we ask these things in his precious name. Amen.